Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Psalms uh, chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1 is where we're going to start today. And um, I, In elementary school, one of the games that we would play in elementary school was Duck, Duck, Goose. Everybody remember Duck, Duck, Goose, right? You sit in a circle, and there's, there's somebody, um, and maybe I, I should have done some more research on this. I'm not really sure why it's Duck and Goose, and I don't know. Um, but, but you sit in a circle, and there's one person that's standing, and they go around, and they touch every person, and they say, Duck, Duck. Duck, and they keep going in the circle around each each kid that's sitting there. And then, whenever they find one that they think is uh, maybe slower than the others, at least if they have good strategy, then they say goose when they get to that person. And and then they start running. They have to run around the circle. And the person that they say goose to, they have to stand up. And if you had one of those teachers that wasn't very fun, then the teacher would probably say like, "No running." Right, so you'd be walking all fast, and they'd have to go all the way around the circle and get back to that one seat, and before that person that they said goose to tags them. Everybody remember Duck Duck Goose, right? Um, and so there's the three physical components of that game of of sitting, and then before you can actually run, you got to stand, and then when you stand after you've seated, been seated, and stood, then you. Again, if you had a boring teacher, you could only walk. But if you had a fun teacher or there was no teacher around, then you ran. So the sitting and then standing and then running. And today, man, God has just given me a word for us um, of how this sitting and then standing and then running applies to our lives. And, and, and I want to read to you Psalms uh, chapter 1, beginning in stanza 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Here, I want to, I wanna, we're going to talk about this today. We're going to bring out this hidden roadmap, not just for blessing, but for our lives, for our dreams, for our days, and for our decisions. Here, I believe that there is hidden in this first verse, um, this roadmap, this process, that if we will follow it, then we will have better days. We will have uh, the more fulfillment of the dreams that God has placed in us. We'll be able to make better decisions. But when God was showing me this, I was like, but God, it's, it's backwards. It's upside down. And he was like, that's cool. Just give it to him and then tell him it's in reverse. So this is in reverse. So we're going to start with the end of verse 1 and then work our way back to the beginning of verse 1. And so here it says that this person who is blessed, this man who is blessed, doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Um, in Psalms 26, stanza 4 and 5, it says, I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Now, we have to put this in context here. There are times as believers that we should sit with the wicked, the sinners, the hypocrites, the liars, the thieves, whoever you want to, however you want to categorize them. But when we sit with them, we are sitting with them really for them. We're sitting with them to show them the love of God. We're sitting with them to be friends with them and to, to fulfill the great commandment of loving God with everything that we have and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. But when we're talking about this roadmap to making better 
better decisions and having better days and fulfilling more of the dreams that God has placed in us, then we are specifically told throughout Scripture, not just in those two verses in Psalms, to not sit with the wicked, to not have the counsel in the ear of the wicked. The wicked should not be the ones determining the decisions and the days and the dreams and the directions that we go with those. The, the wicked, they don't have the spirit of God on the inside of them in a way that we should have, we should be giving them our ear for them to give us counsel because their counsel comes from the world and it may be, it may be brilliant, it may be good, it may be the best that's available in this world, but if it's disconnected from the spirit of God who knows the end from the beginning, then it's flawed. So this is not saying that we should just avoid people who aren't believers at all cost, but it is saying that we don't want to sit down with the ungodly for clarity. We want to sit down with the ungodly for love, for relationship, for connection. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, Paul says um, that we are raised up with Jesus and seated with him in the heavenly places. So we do have a place to sit, and, and, and we don't have time to, to really go into um, all that Paul was talking about there and all that this entails, but we have to realize that just as you are seated here at 1000 McNeil Road right now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are also seated with Christ in the heavens. Now, as technology is advancing, we can kind of understand this more, right? Like if you pull out your phone and you FaceTime somebody in another state, you are here and you are there. Right, So physically you are here, but spiritually you are also in heaven seated with Jesus. And this is the first step or the first point or the first piece of this process for us making better decisions and having better days and fulfilling more of the dreams that God has given us. See, when we start, we have to start by being seated. We have to take a seat. We have to sit and take our place and our position seated in the heavenlies. And many times what happens is before we actually sit, we start wanting to stand and run. Now, in Duck, Duck, Goose, what happens is the kids are not all standing, and then the, the kid says, Goose, and then you chase them. They're all seated. They have to start seated. Uh, otherwise, the game doesn't work. The game doesn't work if all the kids are standing, because as soon as you say, Goose, I just, I just touch you. I'll take one step and I'll touch you. Many times, especially in our culture today, we're trying to start our race, start our day, start our dreams, start our decisions, standing up so that as soon as God says, Goose, we can reach out and have it right now. But that's not the way that we're designed. We're designed to be seated first. And what does that mean? We're seated with Jesus in the heavens. Well, the very first day that man was on the earth was the seventh day because he was created on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, most of us, even if you don't go to church very often, you know what God did on the seventh day? God rested. So man's very first day on earth was a day of rest, a day of Sabbath. It, it not only was the first day but it, and, and established by God, but it was commanded by God and still commanded for us today. That we should not end in Sabbath, but we should begin in Sabbath. And Sabbath being a place of rest, a place of calm, a place of connection with God, a place where we're not standing, where we're not running, but we are seated in his presence, starting with the day of Sabbath, a time of Sabbath, a seating of Sabbath. But also, we need to start seated in prayer. 
Because if we're seated with Jesus in the heavenlies, then that means we're in close proximity to him. We're with him. We're connected with him. And that close proximity to him, that's great in heaven. But here on earth, we need to be seated in prayer in that conversation. And that's how we connect with him and grow close to him here on this earth is we start our days, our dreams, our decisions seated in prayer, talking to him, connecting with him, hearing from him before we begin to stand and before we begin to run. Now, we know this. We've heard this here many times that, that we, are, um, we are created to live by the word of God. It is not designed in us to determine our own ways. We are to acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he directs our paths. And so if we don't start seated in prayer, hearing from him with our days and with our decisions and with our dreams, then we stand up, and we stand up in our own strength, and we begin to walk or to run, and we begin to walk or run in directions that we have no idea if they're correct or not correct. We have no idea where we're even going. We have to start seated in Christ, seated in prayer. And then the last thing before we begin to stand is we need to be seated um, in counting our cost. Jesus said in Luke 14, 28, um, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Now listen, it, it would be foolish of us to just stand up and begin walking and begin running and begin living our lives without counting the cost of what, what it's going to cost us and what, what is going to be required of us. And, and many times, even believers, they'll get stuck in this where, where they will do that. They will sit down and they will count the cost and they will be paralyzed by the cost of standing and running the race that God has given them. We can't be paralyzed. We have to be able to recognize that this is going to cost us something. But we have to be willing to pay that price. Whatever God invites you to will cost you something. Another way of saying it is if God is calling you to something, it will cost you something. But also whatever God instructs you out of will cost you something. Maybe, maybe God is inviting you into um, a, a new business or a new venture or he's inviting you into um, years of faithfulness. That's going to Each one of those things are going to cost you something. But maybe he's instructing you and giving you instructions out of an addiction or, or out of a mindset or a perspective. That is also going to cost you something. And you have to be seated and, 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 and contemplate, am I willing to pay that price? Our, our four-year-old little girl, I don't know where this came from and I don't know how this started, but she has, she has a blanket in her bed, but she has another blanket that some kind of way over the last week and a half or so she's wanting to sleep with. And maybe her mom told her she could only sleep with it one night. I don't really know what happened. But every night now that I put her to bed, she says, Daddy, Daddy, can I sleep with this blanket? And then she just makes up a number, and she's horrible with numbers. So it might be 354.1. One nine seven thousand two hundred and four days. Like, it doesn't even make sense. And I don't know why she's asking me this. Like, I've never told her she couldn't sleep with this blanket. But I, 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 I capitalize on this. I take advantage of this. And so I say, well, Mariah, if you want to sleep with that blanket, it's going to cost you. And what my kids know is when I say it's going to cost you, I'm not asking for money, right? They, like, <laughs> they don't have any money. <laughs> Whatever money they have is really... 
my money, <laughs> whether they know it or not. I'm not asking for money. When I say it's going to cost you, that means to my kids, they have to give me a hug and they have to give me a kiss. Now, my boys, for whatever reason, they have no problem. They have no problem with this. Mariah, she contemplates, like, is this worth it? <laughs> and for whatever reason, this blanket is worth it. And so, man, I take full advantage. You can judge me if you want to, but I'm, I, that's my, I'm getting a hug and a kiss from my daughter because she wants to sleep with this blanket. So it's, it's, it's going to cost you. And she says, okay, Daddy, I know what it's going to cost me. Okay. And then she gives me a hug and she gives me a kiss. But she has to think about it. And we need to sit down before we begin to stand up and live our lives and walk and run. We need to think about this is going to cost us something. You say that you really want to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Are you willing to give up relationships that you've had in the past of friends or, or others that, that like you, you can't be the same way with them anymore if you're really going to follow Jesus? Are you willing to start tithing? It's going to cost you something financially. To, to make a decision to say, I am willing to actually start tithing. That, like, that's going to cost you something. Are you willing to start actually living in love and forgiveness? And that's going to cost you something to get rid of all that bitterness and pain and hurt that you are carrying with you. Whatever God is calling you to, whatever he's inviting you to, it's going to cost you something. And you should never let the cost determine your decision, but you need to count the cost and be ready to make the sacrifice is necessary because if not when you stand up and you start walking and you start running you're going to get to this place where you're going to be like man I didn't know it was this hard I didn't know it was going to be like this and then you're going to want to sit back down but you're not going to be able to sit back down in the heavenlies because when you sit back down in the heavenlies and you start praying and you're saying God what do you want me to do where do you want me to go God's like I already told you you, you said it was too hard and you came back and God is gracious and he's merciful and he'll, he'll, he'll remind you. And then there'll be a place where you're sitting in this seat of prayer wanting to know how do I stand and where do I go and, and you don't hear anything. It feels like God's silent. And it feels like God's silent because you didn't count the cost and you already stepped out. And you, maybe you just stood up and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> not that, that. Or maybe you stood up and you took a couple steps and it got too hard and you, ah, I'm going to sit back down. I'm just going to be a prayer warrior. And God's voice begins to get quieter and it eventually begins to dim to the place where you don't hear it because, because he, he, there's nothing for him to tell you. He's already told you. And you, you weren't willing to go through anytime anybody thinks that following Jesus is soft or easy. I'm just, I'm blown away by that. I'm like, you have no idea. You have no clue what it actually means to follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus most of the time is to do the very things that you don't feel like doing and you don't want to do and are more difficult to do. I had a conversation, and I don't, I don't even, I have no idea who this was. So if you're in here, I'm not talking about you. I mean, I am, but I don't even know that I am. But we were talking about something, and they were, they were saying, like, well, man, if this happens, I'm going to respond this way, and, and like, you know, and it felt like the tough, manly kind of way to respond. And, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. Like, that feels like it's the tough way to respond. But the, actually, the tougher way to respond is to forgive and to love and to not bow up and show your strength. I, I don't even remember the context of what we were talking about. I just, I just remember, like, God showing me, like, man, the, 
the, the tougher things are the godly things. It's easy to pop off and cuss somebody out when they cuss you out or when they cut you off or when they act like they might cut you off. Maybe that was just for me. It's easy to ball your fist up when somebody's ready to fight. What's way more difficult is to love the person who hurt you and to forgive the one who never asked for it. You know, follow Jesus? <laughs> it's not that easy. If we try to stand before we're seated in Sabbath and in prayer and in counting the cost, um, we're going to be out of order, and, and this is not going to be effective like God desires. It's going to be like you standing up and duck, duck, goose, and they hit you, and it's like this is, no, this is not the way this game is played. And the goal of duck, duck, goose is to get seated again, right? So once they say goose, both of you are racing to get back to this seat to get seated again. And we're going to talk about for the rest of our time standing and running. But, but know this, it is always to the goal to get back to being seated. Get back to your positioning of being seated in the heavenlies with Christ in prayer, in this Sabbath, in this rest, living from this so that you can then stand up and go again. The next part of this game, though, is obviously to stand. And in, in, in stanza one, it, it, this going backwards, it says, nor stands in the way of sinners. So after we're seated and only after we're seated in prayer and in Sabbath and in counting the cost, then we begin to stand up. I found this verse um, in Psalms 20, stanza 7. Seven and eight. I just, I loved it. It said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. See, when you're seated in the heavenlies and you know and you recognize that you're with Christ and you're in that time of prayer and Sabbath beginning and starting with him and acknowledging him and, and you've counted the cost and you're ready to sacrifice, you're ready to lay down your life to follow him. Now when you stand, it doesn't matter what comes against you, you are going to stand upright and you're going to stand strong in the face of adversity, in the face of winds, in the face of storms, because you have gotten strengthened. You have gotten built up by your time of being seated. And now you're ready to stand. And everybody else around you, they may not understand it. They may not know how you're standing. They may not be able to comprehend how this is happening to you and around you, but you are standing firm and you are standing strong. And it's because you started by being seated. When everyone else is out running and trusting in these worldly tools, they are going to collapse and fall. Because listen, we know that because we've all done that. We've all done that. We've all trusted our strength, our intellect, our ability, our finances, our positioning, whatever it is. We've trusted these things that the world has given us. And if you've trusted them and you've ran after them hard for long enough, you collapse and you fall every single time. Now we call it things like burnout. It's really hard to get burnt out if you're always getting built up. It's really hard to get empty when you're always getting filled up. Like if I will start seated in my positions, not on earth but in heaven, and I will start seated in prayer and seated in rest, here's what happens. I'm ready to stand up. And I'm ready to stand no matter what happens. When they collapse and fall, I will stand and I will stand upright. Listen, for me, my off days are, 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 um, are Mondays and Saturdays. So, so like Friday when I'm done, Saturday's an off day. The kids go to bed. I finish prep for Sunday morning. Sunday's amazing. And then I'm off Monday. By the time Tuesday comes, like I feel like I've been seated for so long. Like I'm ready. 
I'm ready. I'm, I'm, Tuesday is the most energetic, energizing day for me. Because if you, if you enjoy what God's called you to do and you're doing what God's called you to do and you get away from it for a little time, like you're ready to get back to it. Now, some of y'all can't relate to that because you can't stand your job. You don't want to go to your job on Monday. You don't want to be go to your job after a vacation. But like I've been out of town all week and like I can't wait to get back here today and to, I'm like, I'm going to work tomorrow. I'm just going to work tomorrow. I'm just going to give up my off day because I'm ready because I feel like I've been seated and I've been connecting with God and now it's time to stand and stand strong and stand firm. There's so much that the Bible says about this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, I've I've been on this verse for a long time. My, My faith group is on this verse this semester. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. If the shoe fits, put it on, fellas. Be strong. We stand in the strength of Jesus, but we don't do it in our own strength. We do it, stand firm in the faith. We do it in the faith. Our posture and ability to remain upright is not based solely on our strength or our intellect, but on what we believe. It's what do we believe that allows us to stand and stand strong. Paul said this in Ephesians 6 when he's talking about putting on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And he talks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and we should take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand firm. And then stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness we have to stand and stand firm and stand strong last one Romans eleven twenty says that is true they were broken off because of their unbelief but you stand fast through faith so do not become proud but fear or have reverence. So we stand in the strength of Jesus because we were just seated with him, because we were rested and refilled and refueled by him. And now we stand not through our muscles, but through our faith. And it doesn't matter what scheme Satan brings against us, we stand firm and we stand strong. Paul said this in Galatians 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So when we stand We need to stand in faith. We need to stand in strength of our faith. But we need to stand making sure that we don't fall back or choose to allow ourselves to be enslaved like we once were before we were before we were saved. Now, there's a lot of things that could enslave us. It could be money. Like, I feel like I have to have this amount of money. I have to work this amount of hours. I have to have this kind of job to be able to live in this world. And there's majority of people living below all of our monetary standards right now. So that's just, that's just not true, right? But it's maybe it's title or maybe it's a relationship that has you enslaved. Like, they call the shots. What they say is, is, is the reasoning for what you do. But man, the biggest one that I've seen lately and it's just been jumping out at me so much is we get enslaved by expectations. Either our own expectations or other people's expectations. Friday night, my, my high school best friend got married and, and I got to officiate the wedding and, and there was some people there from high school and there's people there from college and I haven't seen in a long time. And man, inevitably, it like something snaps and you kind of go back to that place. Right, like there was a guy that we went to college with, and um, and and man, he he was a fun guy, he was a joking guy, he was he's all this, and now he's like like he's forty years old with a seventeen year old son, but we get around each other, and it's all like we're all nineteen years old, like every one of us, 
Like we're all laughing at almost the same stuff. Like I had to kind of get out of some of that because I wasn't really saved back then, but <laughs> it, was, it was a little different. But, but the rest of it, like it was just like we were 19. Why? Because we got around each other and like the expectation of I know you this way. My wife does this. Whenever she goes back home to Mississippi, all of a sudden she becomes very, very country. I mean, like super country, like, like we've been here two minutes and all of a sudden, like I haven't heard you say anything like that in two years. But these expectations that people put on you, we were at the wedding rehearsal and, and like everybody's out there dancing and man, it was awesome. It was so great. It was so great because um, it, was, it was like 90% white people. <laughs> if you're new here, it's just, so my wife is like, Evan. You can hang. <laughs> like, this is your crew. Like, you, you got this. You got this. And, like, my buddy who got married, like, my best friend, like, he's worse than me. Like, man, it's bad. Like, it was bad. It was a whole, I mean, it was bad. It was hilarious. But, but you know what gave me, like, there was two things. Number one, I didn't dance because I don't dance and I don't care about peer pressure. But number two, there was a part of me that was like, you know what? I just stood up and officiated a lot of these people here aren't saved. Like, I don't know what their expectation of what, it would, what that would mean to them or not mean to them. Now, maybe that's healthy, maybe it's not, but there's expectations that you put on yourself or, other, or you feel like other people put on you and it enslaves you. And man, listen, listen. Most people don't really care about you like you think they care about you. Most people aren't thinking about you like you think they're thinking about you. Most people, y'all have heard me say this over and over, and I'm going to keep saying it. Most people are just like you. They're thinking about themselves. That's it. That's it. They're not talking about your dress when they leave. If they are, it's for like 10 seconds, and then they're thinking about themselves again. Last one. We're out of time. Walks in the council of the wicked, that this blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now this walking or running is after we have been seated. We've been seated with Christ and we've been seated in prayer and, and now we're standing and we're standing firm because of what we believe because we were first seated and now it's time to walk or it's time to run, it's time to go and it's time to put feet and hands to our faith. Psalms 18, 29 says, for by you I can run against a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. See, when you do this right, when you follow this roadmap correctly, when it gets time to run, when it gets time to walk, you're gonna feel just like the psalmist here when he says, by you I can run against anybody. I can run against a whole bunch of people. I can leap over a wall. I can do the impossible because I have sat with Jesus and I have stood in faith and now I'm so fired up that I'm ready to run the race. I'm ready to do whatever he's asking me to do. I'm ready to go. I'm not ready to sit back. I'm not, there's no more time to do this. There's time now to do that. I got to get around this circle before the person in front of me and it's not a competition against people but you got to get around the circle before um, God's calling or invitation has run out. 
because God is a God of timing, and so it's time to go. And when you go, you got to run your race, not somebody else's race. Hebrews 12, 1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. My race is not your race. Your race is not my race. I need to stand up when God says goose, and I need to start running, but I got to run the race that he's given me to run, because if I try to run the race that you are given to run, then I'm going to end up in the wrong destination. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, that I'm not just running just to run, but I'm running to a destination, I'm running to a calling, I'm running to an invitation that God has given me, not an invitation that he's given you, to a destination that he's given me, not a destination that he's given to you, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to count the cost, and I'm going to rest up and refuel, and when it's time, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to stand in the face of all adversity, I'm going to stand because I believe that God works all things for my good, and when he says go, when that gun goes off, I'm sprinting out of the box, and I'm getting around that circle, and I'm running the race that he's called me to run, and I'll know that because in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says, the Lord answered me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. You got you to find out what's God's calling, what's his vision, what's his purposes for you, what's he inviting you into, and then you're running towards that. And, and two more things, and then we're done. Run to win. You got to run to win. Paul said this in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. So when God says goose and I'm seated, I got to stand up. But if I just start running off this way and the circle's over there, I'm running aimlessly. I'm going to lose. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to get back to that seat that I'm trying to teach and I need to get back to. I'm going to run with purpose. I'm going to run with vision. I'm going to run where God tells me to run, and I'm going to do it from a place of strength. Last verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I love, I love, I love this. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if we read this another way, they who wait for the Lord, and I'm just going to add this, who are seated in his presence. If you will sit in his presence and wait on him, they that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. You will get built up. You will be empowered. You will get there. And then you will mount up and you will stand up with wings like eagles ready to fly, ready to run, ready to soar. And they shall run and not be weary. Because the kids who lose in Duck, Duck, Goose are the kids who either aren't fast or they get too tired before they get all the way around the circle. <laughs> but we don't have to grow weary. We don't have to grow weary because we're running right back to that seat. We're running right back to prayer. We're running right back to Sabbath. We're running right back to strength to then be able to stand up and run again. This is sit. This is stand. This is run and then repeat and sit. Stand, run, and repeat. Sit, stand, run, and repeat. Sit, stand, run, and repeat. Sit in his presence and in his strength 
We stand and then we run his race, not our race. And then we wake up and we do it again. And we follow this roadmap with our dreams, the dreams that God has given you. If you'll stop running after stuff and aimlessly walking and jogging, but if you will sit first about these dreams that God's put in your heart, and and then when you're built up, then you stand in faith. You stand in faith, and that'll look different depending on what those dreams are. And when God says, goose, you go, and you run, knowing where you're going, if you'll do that with your dreams and with your days and with your decisions, man, you're going to win. You're going to be more than a conqueror. And you're going to accomplish everything God has invited you to accomplish. And more importantly, you're going to become everything that God has designed for you to become. Sit, stand, run, repeat. Sit, stand, run, repeat. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.